Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. Hey, I'm so glad you could be with me today. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly. Boundaries are a difficult thing for us to understand just in general sometimes. And having boundaries with our kids can be an even more confusing concept. I'm joined in this conversation today by author Rachel Norman, and Rachel is here to just help us understand all of these pieces when it comes to what boundaries are, what they do for us, and how they can strengthen our relationship with our kids. Over the last several months, I've received several emails from women asking, where is the loneliness type quiz? And it is back. As single moms, loneliness is something we all have to deal with, but the reasons why we each deal with it are different and don't have that much to do with being in a relationship. To learn more about your experience with loneliness, what's causing it, and some of the ways out, start with our What's Your Loneliness Type quiz. You'll find a link to that down in the show notes or by heading over to plusoneparents.org. Having boundaries with our kids can seem like somewhat of a strange concept, and it may even spark some feelings that maybe this thing is selfish. But what I think is so great about the way that Rachel explains this is the fact that it helps to discover how each of us is unique and separate, and that by honoring those differences, how we can just bring in such a sense of healing and belonging and togetherness that we might not otherwise have without the situation that we find ourselves in. Here's my conversation with Rachel Norman. Rachel, I'm thrilled to be sitting down with you today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Rachel, boundaries is something I feel like I am still learning. And boundaries with our kids is like a whole other concept. Now, getting our mind around though, what boundaries really even are, I think is is kind of the first thing to tackle. So let's start at the start. Would you help us to understand what boundaries really are and what they are supposed to do for us? Yes, I absolutely will. So I love talking about this, particularly because I think the way we think about it is often, I don't want to say it's not right, but it's its a little bit less clear. So for example, we might think a boundary is if um, this person that I have a bad relationship with calls me, I'm not going to answer. I'm going to only talk via email, for example. Mm. But that is just sort of a rule you decided. A boundary is I cannot speak to this person without becoming so agitated, I can't function. So out of that, the, the actual issue is I cannot deal with this person, whatever. So the, then you go and create uh, ways that you will make sure that doesn't happen. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So the way we think about it, though, sometimes is, oh, okay, a boundary is my child needs to make their bed every morning. But really what you're wanting to get at is you want the house not to be messy. So let me try to give an example to think about it this way. 
So imagine there's um, a bunch of undeveloped land and there's like 10 different lots. None of them, you know, they have trees, but none of them have houses or fences, right? The, the boundary line where one person owns and the other person owns is there, mm-hmm. no matter whether there's a fence up, no matter, it, it's just already there, mm-hmm. right? So this is kind of how I like to think about boundaries are within us, whether we respect them or not, whether somebody violates them or not, whether we violate our own or not. It it doesn't mean they're not there. Whether we put up a fence that says maybe our boundary is um, just to kind of throw out a lot of random example, just to get us thinking in a bunch of different areas. Sure. Maybe or personally, I'll say I need quite a lot of sleep. Ever since I was little, I have high sleep. I sleep eight or nine hours a night. So that is my boundary. If I sleep less than that for one night, fine. Two nights, it's iffy. Three nights, you know, DEFCON. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, with I could say, I'm going to stay up to midnight and work, and I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. and work out, and that's what I'm going to do. But my body's like, okay, because I need nine, five hours isn't going to do it. So it's mm-hmm. like my actual boundary is this amount of sleep that I need. Mm-hmm. And from that place, I might make a rule or routine for myself. Mm-hmm. But what we initially think of our boundaries are the rules that we think in our head. That's why we think, a list of 10 boundaries I should have. I'll do those. Mm. But if mm. they don't like go with our deep thought, like spirit, soul, and body sort of needs that are already there, it, it just sort of doesn't, it doesn't jive. Yeah. And I love the illustration though of a, an undeveloped piece of land. That is such a great visual to me that what we're really talking about, the root of this is an individuality and a separateness, that there is a, a distinction between us and the people around us. And that is truly, as you said, it's something then that we either violate ourselves sometimes by not recognizing that separateness, by not honoring that separateness or that other people violate because they are not appreciating that dignity. But that separate dignity is what is God-given. And that that's the place where we start mm-hmm. from. And I think what really has helped me and what I love that you point to in your book and sort of what you just illustrated is that there are some personal limitations that allow us to start to discover what these boundaries are. And some of them are going to be in our bodies, like how much sleep that we need and those types of things. And in other spaces though, it may be how much of another person's behavior, for example, I can tolerate because of the emotional triggers that I experience because of my journey that I can't be friends with everybody because that person's going to set me off. And that some is work on our part that we do grow in. And then some of it is recognizing, no, I'm not supposed to actually be all things to everybody. No. And it's a, I'm so glad you mentioned that because it this is, it, and especially as Christian women, we really are, you know, rightfully not wanting to go into, shall we call it selfishness. But I really think we're con- first of all confused about <laughs> we don't always we, we the things we think are selfish are not always selfish. We discover our limitations and our boundaries when we listen to what's happening with ourselves and we're like, this is not okay. You know, you can continue on in something on and on, and you're like, I feel anxious. And instead of thinking, oh man, I shouldn't be living in a situation that constantly makes me anxious, depressed, mm-hmm. suicidal idea, whatever. We're like, oh, it's a sin that I'm anxious. It is mm-hmm. a sin that I am depressed. So it's like we actually mm-hmm. sort of don't we, because we're scared of being selfish or, you know, and then there's 
we get confused. Well, there's lots of different things, you know, there's no, I'm not saying there's any shame. I'm saying this is a normal process when we're learning to listen to ourselves is that we just kind of have to be able to, you know, take it to God. Okay. I'm feeling all of this. And instead of judging myself for these feelings, I'm going to say, how did I get here? How can I get out of this place? You know, because mm-hmm. it's clear we're not supposed to. It's not always clear. But when it becomes clear, we do realize that, you know, God didn't make us to live in this constant state of absolute lawlessness, which is most of us who really know we need boundaries do it because we've come from a place that's totally boundaryless. Mm-hmm. You know, and we realize that just wasn't working. Yeah. There are three words every abuse survivor must hear. God hates abuse. Plus One Parents has released a devotional for abuse survivors called Safe Haven, a devotional for the abused and abandoned. Safe Haven is a biblically-based guide to abuse, giving you the tools that you need to identify it, respond to it, and heal from it. Safe Haven is now available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook formats, and you can locate a link to purchase your copy down in the show notes. I think when we, as you said, you know, we can, we can say, how did, how did I get here? You know, and, and we can look at that compassionately and say, you know what, my circumstances are why I can't put up with as much as I used to be able to, or maybe I put up with too much because of the way I was raised. And so it caused me to put down all of my boundaries. You know, it could be Mm -hmm. that, you know what, actually this is God's design for me that he made me a person with the spiritual gift of mercy, for example. And that means that I have such a deep heart that I actually can't absorb everything that there is to absorb because it's it's too overwhelming for me. You know, so that there can be yeah. this combination between design and experience. And there are some things that we may grow in and some things that that's just the way we are. <laughs> but that as we start to go down that path of self-discovery, the boundaries then become a lot more clear. And rather than judging ourselves or judging somebody else for being different, the boundary is the thing that says, but this is the sandbox that I get to play in. And as long as mm-hmm. I know that I am where the Lord wants me to be and I'm lined up with the peace that he has in my life and for my life. That's really what I'm honoring is this design as how it relates between my relationship to God and then how that gets played out with all of these other people in my life. Absolutely. And I would say to some extent, and I'm not putting a time limit on this, but I would definitely say based on the amount of kind of trauma that you've gone through, whether as a child or as an adult um, in marriage and life, that for a time you might you might almost feel that your capacity and your boundaries need to be so much tighter than other people's. Mm-hmm. And this also can be a source of guilt if you allow it, because it's like normal, quote, air quotes, you can't see me, normal people don't need to be so defense or you know how what it's defensive mm-hmm. or I'm being protective or whatever. No, I just want to say actually, if we have lived in a boundaryless way because of others, because of childhood, whatever it is, we violated our all the things, who knows? Yep. Some for a time we often got to go so tight with our boundaries. And and they can, the capacity can grow later with healing. But there's no shame in and especially as a single mom, because you're the you're the one that is there. So, you know, you're the one that's doing it all, you know? And so I really like to say, if you have to do it all, 
You get to choose how it's done. You get to choose the standard with it that it's done. And sometimes you have to purposely drop a standard to be live within your boundaries. So it might be cooking, for example. You know, guess what? You might be just like, you know, we're going to do like, I don't know, frozen stir fry packs and we're going to do like fruit salad for whatever. I'm going to do something I can chop and put in a bowl. Okay. I'm just giving examples. I know for myself in life when I've gone through like crises that I'm like the standard of cooking, I'm dropping it because my, my boundaries by 5 PM, I'm losing it. Mm -hmm. I'm losing it by 5 PM to like 7:30. hang it on by a thread over here. Uh (laughs) And then whatever has to happen between those times, I've got to, I've got to just do what I can do. You know, and so boundaries at its essence are respecting ourselves in the sense of this is my experience. God knows what is going on with me. I cannot pretend it's any different. And I'm going to live like whatever is happening is actually happening. And Mm -hmm. and I believe this helps us stay grounded in our actual reality, you know, especially for single moms, especially coming out of abusive situations or domestic violence situations like it, it takes so long to even know what your reality is doesn't it yes. we just twist it all around you know yeah. and so not so sometimes it's it's just this is how it is you know or it might be nobody can do extracurricular this year because i can't function in the car yeah. two hours a day it's like yeah. there's the guilt there could be the guilt but then there's also that you know i'm the one that has to do it all I, it's better for me to be okay than for them to be mediocre at soccer. Yeah. Uh, you know? Rachel, better for you them. Just, better for you them. Just, you just set some mamas free. I'm telling you, because I really appreciate though, that you said that sometimes this is going to be a season where your boundaries, you are like locked down. And that is what happened to me really in the thick of my healing journey, where I was really processing a lot of, of heavy trauma I just, everything was so overwhelming and everything was so triggering that I really had to operate in a minimum capacity at what you're talking about. Activities Mm -hmm. were cut low, the standards as far as like, yeah, I used to cook this way and now I'm cooking this way. All of those things were up for Mm -hmm. grabs. Now, for me, one of the, the blessings in the midst of this was this actually occurred during all of the lockdowns for COVID. So everybody's schedules were up for grabs at that point. Everything was shifting. And so I I got to kind of to fly under the radar. But then when life kind of came back to normal and I didn't, (laughs) it was like, whoa, wait, you know, but, but, and I think Mm -hmm. what you said was so key is the fact that this allows us to honor what is that for Mm -hmm. a lot of our lives, we may be operating outside of the boundaries because we are Mm -hmm. somewhat trying to manufacture a reality that we want to be true, that we, especially when it comes to people pleasing, that we put our boundaries real low because I really want you to be close to me because I want this relationship to work out. I don't want to be rejected, you know, all that type of stuff. And rather than Mm -hmm. looking at the situation and going like, is this person even healthy for me to be around? Is this person... mutual in this relationship? Like, is this a mutual thing? Like, instead of really being able to analyze what is, the anxiety drives us to ignore what is just, I'll move my own boundaries. It's cool. And end up in situations though that are really hurtful, really traumatic, really disappointing. But that through this, as you said, putting our perspective in line with where our boundaries are, 
is where we have the ability to incubate and cocoon a little bit and let the healing just really be the emphasis. And that in doing that for a time though, and really concertedly, intentionally doing that for a time can actually speed up the healing process that you can make really great gains in a short period of time rather than kind of like going forward, going backward, going forward, going backward. And there is some of that anyway, but it does help things along. Yeah. It's like staying off of an injured leg. You know, if you just keep walking Mm. on it, it takes much longer. Yeah. And I was thinking too, I don't know if it's, I, I think it's probably, you know, I hate to generalize, but probably in most anybody who's been in these type of traumatic situations that realize Anybody's just has like a normal, healthy, not many problems going on. They're not really like diving into boundaries, you know, you know, yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when you realize you do, that you need some and you don't have any, um, one of the first things that I realized was that, and this was a shock to me, but it's it, whenever we can tend to feel like everything is our fault or our responsibility, not only do we ignore our own boundaries, we actually ignore others. So for example, yeah, I was talking to one of my friends and she's in a, um, a abusive marriage. The, the scenario that happened is she wanted to be safe. I, I need X, Y, Z to be safe. Okay. And so that clashed with his boundary, which is, I'm not going to do anything I don't want to do. Mm. Now I'm not saying this is a good, this is an abusive boundary. Do you see right. what I mean? But so yes. When we're used, so it's like sometimes other people have actually their what they need or want or are going to happen is like not good. I'm not defending it. Yeah. But sometimes we're trying, we see that they don't want good or they're not going to do good, but we desperately are like, I'm going to single handedly cleanse this house, even though somebody's bringing demons in or whatever yeah. it is, you know. Yeah. Anyway, and then we actually are constantly crossing other people's autonomy, trying to get them to do what we want them to do. Mm. And this shocked me because I realized I haven't even focused on my own boundaries because I, I mean, I'm trying to control the kids or trying to do this or whatever. So it's almost like a scales come off the eyes and I realize I'm feeling responsible for other people's problems, mm-hmm. but I'm totally ignored my own. <laughs> you know, I've yep. like fluffed it. I've like fluffed it. And so this is kind of jarring, but also it's very healing because then you realize, as you know, I can only control me. Mm-hmm. And of course, as parents, we know we can't fully, we can guide their behavior. Of course, we want to train them up in the way that is, is biblical. Um, we even still can't fully control it. Like we could make them do something, but we can't control in their mind what they're thinking. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, it's just a whole journey to figure out who am I, who am I focusing on? Mm -hmm. And now as a parent, it's not that we're saying I'm putting myself over my kids. We're saying I'm, I'm the parent. I need to be okay. And then that'll be a win-win for me and the kids. You know, it's not a, and I talk about this in the book, we often think either I win or the kids win. Mm. So between those, we're going to let the kids win. We're never going to want to win over the kids. That's especially godly moms. Like we're not doing that. Right. But because we've set it up like that, we end up really kind of, we can end up not always abandoning ourselves and just getting more and more getting worse and worse. (laughs) Yeah. Because we're trying to keep them winning, but there are ways for everybody to win. You know, and so this is kind of what I like to think about, uh, you know, there must be some way we can both win in this situation. I'm talking about me and the kids, you know, yeah. um, you and the kids. 
And this, I think, helps you to realize like, okay, it's not, I want to selfishly focus on me and this. And it's actually like, I'm the adult, especially if you're the only adult. If you're Mm -hmm. the only adult, like you really need to be okay. Nobody else is going to show up and make you okay. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for better or for worse. And the kids want you to be okay. So actually, if you kind of think, can I do this for myself? Think, yeah, the kids might in the moment not, you know, if it's taking time alone or say whatever it might be like yeah. in the moment, they might kind of push against it, but really do want you to be okay because yeah. it's better for them. It's literally win-win. It's win-win. Right. I think that's an important example that you just gave too. And as I was talking about that season where I was like really like locked down, it was, I needed a lot more alone time. I needed a lot more time to go in my room, collapse on the floor, you know, and whether it was crying or taking deep breaths, you know, or whatever it was to just like, let the overwhelm come down so I could go back Mm -hmm. out there. As I did that more and more and more, my tolerance went up because I knew how to be soothed. I knew how to get into the presence of the Lord like so much faster, you know, so that when those trigger moments happened, that I was better for them. And I think that is the key when we talk about things like guilt and selfishness and all that sort of stuff, that on the one side of, of getting good with our boundary setting with our kids, it is how am I indicating to you, my child, that I am separate from you? I have separate needs from you, that they need to be honored just like your needs need to be honored, and that they actually have a participation in that process of helping mom to have the ability to take care of herself so that mom can also then take care of the kids. And there's nothing selfish about that. It can be harder if you have toddlers. It can be much harder if you've got little, little teeny ones and trying to figure out how you work these things out when they physically like, they're, they're not really a safe space you could put them in, for example, you know, to, to go be by mm-hmm. yourself for lengths of time. And there are ways to be creative. Um, but that. That's one aspect of it. But the other one, and this is, I think, really important what you just talked about in terms of other people's boundaries, though, is that there's a control element here when our boundaries conflict. And the example you gave with a, a former partner, former boyfriend, former spouse, whatever, who has boundaries, but within those boundaries are things that are wicked. And within our boundaries are things that are directed towards our relationship with the Lord that are good and godly, right? So when those are in conflict, we tend to want to control what's going on within that other person's boundaries. And when -hmm. it comes to somebody who is at the peer level, we can see that that just results in very specific types of relational conflict. But we may end up also doing that with our kids. And I want want you to talk Mm -hmm. more towards that because I think especially when there's been uh, the presence of some sort of antagonistic parenting that we feel then the need to overcompensate mm-hmm. to do all of the good parenting and the right things, make sure our kids turn out the good way and the right way. And that in the process of what is well-intended because it is motivated by fear, we end up very often though overstepping those bounds and that can be harmful to the relationship with our kids too. Exactly. I mean, it definitely can. And of course, our personalities and the kids' personalities can come into play. Um, and, and so one thing I like to think, like, I often think if we change, I mean, I guess it's pretty typical, but if sometimes we kind of change how we think, it's much easier in the moment to act, you know? So one thing I would say when we're, because I guess to some extent, especially a lot of women, your listeners, 
you know, they're trying to pick up pieces, mm-hmm. you know, so they're trying to pick up pieces of the, of the parent child, you know, they're kind of also kind of wanting to, you know, maybe if there was antagonistic parenting, they're wanting to swing the pendulum, you yeah. know? And so what, what, one thing I like to encourage, okay. So if we realize that, you know, we're not talking about, we're going to put away selfish needs, anything like that. Now we're just talking about healthy boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. We know those are good, right? But what we don't always realize is that when we don't keep our healthy boundaries, we're actually create much more likely to create a sense of this entitlement and selfishness in our kids because mm-hmm. they don't have to think about anybody else but themselves. Mm-hmm. So we kind of can think it's good for them. And it's sometimes not good for them because I had this realization when I, I realized because I it was just a certain situation that happened in my son just was like relentless, you know, how the kids can be woodpecking, you know, but it was, I needed to do this. It was a work. It was relentless. And then I kind of was like, I felt like God showed me. Now sometimes it's like, you see a slideshow of your life. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I saw all of the ways in which I had ignored what I needed to do, ignored what I was doing. And I had trained the kids that no matter what I'm doing, I will stop and focus on you and solve your problem. Mm-hmm. And then I started to see it. You know, I might have three kids, one kid comes up, has a problem, then two that, and now I've got three kids all talking at once, demanding I help them because I had trained them that it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'll do this for you. Do you see what I mean? So it was like mm-hmm. actually my thought of being, I thought I was being like responsive. And of course we need to be, I mean, of course yeah. we need to be, you know, but I was actually just, sort of fomenting the sense of ignore me. I'm just mm. here to fix your, you know, the minutia of the, the Lego game or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so for me, realizing, recognizing what's going on in me and being able to say, I just need you to wait a minute. Or actually, I, I, um, I can't give you an answer for that right now because I just don't want to give an answer I'm not sure about. And I haven't had time to think about it. Because mm. if you have more stronger willed kids or kids who are opinionated, yep. I mean, they'll come in, you know, and they'll come in and they'll be like, can I do this? Can I do that? And so sometimes a boundary is as simple as like, I can't talk about this right now. Let's think of a time that's good for you and good for me um, that we can talk about this so that it meets their need of realizing it's going to get done. You aren't trying to do it while you're trying not to burn dinner or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that even just boundaries are as simple as right now, my heart is racing. I'm starting to sweat. I'm getting very stressed. I need to not continue what's happening right now, but mm-hmm. without pushing away, without shutting down, without yelling, just being like, what's happening. Okay. And so it's almost like you're modeling it for the kids too. Cause it's like, okay, I feel quite stressed right now. I, I, I need to take a second. And then, you know, um, whether it's, we'll talk about this later, we'll do this, whatever it is. I think that's a brilliant strategy because it, as you said, it is modeling boundary setting for our kids in real time because they're going to need it too. And I've seen this in my own household where, because I will say, Hey, you know, I'm getting overwhelmed. I need to take a pause. Let's come back to this, but I promise I will come back and I will talk to you about it. There's actually a trust button that gets built there. And so the kids know they have the latitude to do the exact same thing though, that when we're having a conversation, if they're starting to feel the heat of that, then they're able to say, "I I need a break, you know? And we have the understanding that a break doesn't mean like I'm done and never coming back to this, but it does mean, okay, let's pause for a minute, what else is on your mind that is making this particular conversation so much bigger for you? You know, and then digging a little deeper, clearing those other things away and then saying, okay, now let's go back to this other topic. Or sometimes it's just like, I'm irritated. I need some a timeout, you know? And it's like, but just honoring the fact that 
they're on a healing journey at the same time as we are. And so even just mm-hmm. those that need for a pause to collect ourselves just teaches everybody to be so much more aware of the emotional state, the needs, the atmosphere, the temperature of what's happening and to be responsive to it. And I think that's such a key word because sometimes the opposite way that this goes is I can't deal with this right now. And then we never address it, you know, and then it, it never gets touched. And then when the, with the unmet needs stack up, then we end up contributing to a sense of overwhelm in our kids that then they are potentially then going to act out in a variety of different ways. And where if we just can pause for the moment, we will have the ability to reset and then be in in the zone with them to coach them rather than what sometimes happens is like, I need to respond right now. And so instead of coaching, I'm just going to command. I'm just going to tell everybody what to do. And then... Mm-hmm. And then at the end of it, nobody has really learned anything. The bridge has not been built. The bridge has probably been like set on fire, you know, and it's, it's, it's the thing that sometimes just keeps it going, but we don't really always know how to get the, you know, the train back on the tracks. Yes. And it is a fair, it's a great point that you brought up that our kids will have boundaries too, or, or things they won't be able to uh, maybe verbalize it like that, depending on their age, they might be able to, but you can tell when a child feels violated. Like I think for my middle mm-hmm child he feels very violated when his siblings because I have five kids um a, a, a daughter and four boys he feels very violated when people have messed with his toys you know it's, it's like he he's so for him his his he wants things to be protected he doesn't want somebody to come and take it and go and I can tell it's very consistent this is clearly a situation that he feels very his boundaries are violated in because of his reaction to them so this is why I think it's so important to have a how can this happen and this happen and we all win because there will be times mm. when it's almost like um I don't want to say conflicting boundaries, but it feels like competing priorities and sure. you don't want to override your kids. Um, now, some things the kids might not want to do that they just need to do. But some things it might be, I'm, I'm thinking maybe if it's like a cleaning of a room scenario. Okay. So some moms and, you know, a tidy house or some some moms don't need it to be tidy, but it can be that when the home is out of control, we just feel overrun. Yeah. You know, and I started to notice this because I talk about this in one chapter of the book. It's like, my name is Rachel and I'm an aggressive vacuumer because I would, <laughs> if I would see a huge mess, it would be like, I would feel enraged, you know? And so obviously I had to, you know, do some healing so that I can see a mess now and not kind mm-hmm. of go nuts, but it's because I, I, I we have this house. I've made it lovely. I'm not saying it needs to look unlived in. I'm just saying you can't make a massive mess and leave it and not clean it up. Now, the way this happens could be a win-win for it's both. It's like, do you want to do it on Fridays before movie night? We want to order it well. Do you know what I mean? We're not going to be like, come in from the pool and clean up. Like, no, we're going to order it well, (laughs) but maybe once a week. Okay. It can be every evening before breakfast or before dinner, a quick tidy. Like, so there's like a million ways to skin a cat. So mm-hmm. you do have to, as you said, be responsive or just notice. And I do think probably most moms who've gone through a big traumatic event are excellent noticers. So mm-hmm. you're already noticing, mm-hmm. you know, like, well, I guess sometimes if you can be in awful, you kind of have to say, I'm noticing all this, but I'm going to put it aside because I literally can't deal with any more of that. Mm-hmm. And I've got to get okay. And then as you kind of come out of that fog, you know, we're like, maybe I only have to go in my closet and cry three times today. Yes, yep. it was five yesterday. Yes, we're going right. places. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so 
But when you come out and see, I do notice what the kids are going through. Like, I think that's still normal to sometimes almost be, you know, then this is when you, especially as they're older, when they're little, you're just like, you meet their needs in a way that you can cope since you're the one doing it. But as they get older, how can we all do this and it all be okay? And if the converse, sometimes I feel like the conversation has to go on longer because everybody ain't on board yet. And not not that they have to be on board, but like the way they might feel like they can do it. You just always want to keep going till you can get the the win-win, if that makes sense. Because you don't want your kids to perpetually feel like they're taking the L. But you also can't perpetually feel like Mm. you're taking the L. Because both of those means you resent the other person. Mm. And this is like the opposite of what makes a good relationship. But everybody feels resentful if their boundaries are not being respected. If you can truly take on board it's it's not bad for the kids. It's good. And it yeah. models for them good stuff. And maybe they'll be able to to avoid some of the issues I got in because they'll see it and I did it. Yes. You know? Yes. Or if they get in it, they'll be able to get out or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, you got, we got to think of it as a gift. It's a win-win because, you know, the, the book is called If Mama Ain't Happy from the saying, If Mama Ain't Happy, Ain't Nobody Happy. Yeah. And it's like a joke, but it's in the book, I kind of am like, happy is like way up high. I, literally, the bar is actually not to be depressed. This is mm. a lie. This is bar. <laughs> you know, and sometimes you're so far under it. Mm. You know, sometimes you just got to get, I'm not depressed. Yeah. Like I'm meh. But yeah. meh is I'm still meh. better than depressed. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, it's true. And one of the things that you just pointed to in this, though, is the fact that this is actually how we have the ability to correct some things generationally that may have been passed to us. It's very, yes. very often the case, and this was certainly my case, where if great boundaries are not modeled in your family of origin, then mm-hmm. that is something that you may carry into romantic relationships. And then you may find yourself attracted towards relationships where boundaries are violated all over the place. And so learning this with our kids and in front of them is one of the ways that we break things off for them generationally. And this is one of the places where there are so many negative statistics about single moms. But one of the positive ones is that often kids who come out of single mother-led households understand teamwork. They understand the team dynamic in relationships. And that is such a beautiful gift that we can give them in a circumstance where it seems like you know, there is all of this lack and that our kids are having to step up and do so much more. I just think back to like, my grandfather was one of nine kids and they all lived on a farm and everybody had farm chores. And it was like, that was the whole focus of the whole family. It was not, you know, the kids having all extracurricular activities and, you know, getting to just like relax and have screen time, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It was that everybody had to pull their weight. And uh, culturally, yeah. I just think as we get away from like that agricultural model, you know, culturally, some of these things in the in the lessons that our kids gain are lost. And this is one of the things that our circumstance actually gives back to our kids. But you, what you pointed to, Absolutely. two things that are so important and what you just discussed is the fact that number one, we're going to have preferences, but that we may have to have way more realistic Mm -hmm. expectations, you know, and that comes back to dropping our standards some that we got to have some realistic Mm -hmm. expectations that yes, I like to have a tidy house, but maybe what that looks like is going to be different now based on what I can do and what my kids can do in cleaning up after themselves, you know, and then on top of that though, and this is where I think the big win-win component comes from though, is the how 
you might still have your what. Your boundary can be the what, but the how, yeah. there's so much creativity where we can all exercise our different like giftednesses and our personalities and all of that kind of thing. So that, you know, a, a lot of times though, where this gets set off is you say to a child, child, can you do this? And the child says, no. <laughs> and so now we're off to the races of like, but this is my boundary. And now I need to convince you of why you need to do this, mm-hmm. where we actually have the ability to say, you know what? Maybe instead of focusing on the, if you're going to do this, like, let's switch the conversation and say, Hey, I know you don't want to do this right now, but you know, would you like to do it? Like I can give you a piggyback ride into the other room or I can carry you upside down. You know, I don't know. That's what, (laughs) that's what we do at bedtime with my toddler, you know, and it's just like, you, you can just focus so much more on, I need it done, but here are your options. And sometimes then they get engaged in the problem solving and they become, owners at that point to say, what if I did it this way? And then when we can have so much more fun with it, then that's where that respect um, and enjoying our kids, you know, mutual respect can come from that we can pull back from the like, but I need to teach you how to honor my boundaries and I need to teach you to do what I say, you know, and, and, and again, go to that realistic place though, realistically, our children are not going to do what we ask them to do the first time. Like though many of us were raised with this first time obedience, like you just do it because I said, realistically, kids need lots of repetitions. And so if we just go in with that expectation that this is the way that it's going to be, then we can just take the bar down. And then not every instance is like, but I need to win this one. It's like, no, I want all of us to work together and I will get the win that I need. And I'll feel good about it when I involve you in the process rather than trying to be the authority in the process. And I was going to say, if you go into it realizing you're going to win because it's your, you're the mom. Like, so, so the goal is how can they also win? Right. Because yeah. if you go in feeling like you're going to lose, then you're like, oh, no, you're going to do what I said, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes it gets to that, you know, sometimes it gets to that. But I want it. But if you go in thinking I'm going to win, let's figure out how they can win, too, especially if it's something that's just good and needs to happen. Yeah. But one thing I will say that I feel like is if you've really struggled to have boundaries with a significant peer, you probably also don't have a clear thought about you probably struggle with it with the kids too. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say. Mm-hmm. So if, because what can happen is when we are in a boundaryless place, we're focusing on everybody else, but we're feeling like what they're doing is our fault, right? And so then we can do this with the kids though. So it, uh, we can it, it blame ourselves for everything they're doing or not doing. Does that make sense? So I say yeah. this in a freeing way. Like sometimes, yeah. especially moms who have a lot of guilt, it's like, well, they acted like that because I didn't play with them 30 minutes before. And I mean, we have to have connection with our kids. But actually, they're just their own person, too. They might have done that because they were tired. They were hungry. They don't have great coping skills because they are also have a flesh just like we do because mm-hmm. they just lost it because they just wanted to whatever. There's a million reasons why they could do it. But when we immediately blame ourselves, then we're always still striving, still never good enough, still never ace it because they're never going to be perfect. Right. So if we base how good we're doing on how perfect they are, mm-hmm. it's just just going to go badly. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's almost like we have to recognize. And I went through this a few years ago when I got cancer, I had been living in a very stressful situation, whatever, ended up with cancer, early stage. God did it work. Praise God. But it was like I had this moment. I was the main reason I was sad is because I was like, I'm going to destroy my children. 
Mm. if I die Mm -hmm. and I felt like God showed me it was almost like I I felt like he showed me that it was like snip like they're all their own people Mm. like they are all their own people and if I pass then like yes they'll be devastated but they'll be okay like they can grow up and have happy joyful lives like they are not me you know if they're sad I don't have to be sad if they're mad I don't have to defend myself like I can just let them be them I can let them have their own emotions. If they're mad or pouty or sad or whatever, I don't have to take it on and then act like it's my fault. Yeah. You know, like sometimes you're just crabby because you're mm-hmm. hungry. Yeah. Or sometimes you're just in a bad mood because you got hormones. So if I mm-hmm. turn, if I, when we are boundaryless, we tend to think everybody else's problems are our own. And this is, particularly difficult in parenting because we know we do set the mood. We know we are the authority. Mm -hmm. So it all feels like, you know, and we know we could inflict damage because Mm -hmm. parents can on their kids. So we take this responsibility seriously. But what can generally happen is then we do a lot of boundary bending because we do not want them to be unhappy because Mm -hmm. if they're unhappy, we're bad moms. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it's like, we kind of have to just process this with God and think, okay, whatever, you know, like, where do that, where do I end? And they begin, let them have the feelings that they have. I'm going to be here to support them. I'm going to help them learn how to handle these feelings, but then mm-hmm. having frustration doesn't mean I did something wrong. Then being sad doesn't mean I'm a horrible mom. Yeah. Then being mad at me doesn't mean it's because of all these reasons that I failed them. The kids are going to be okay. And you can be okay because mm-hmm. you're there, you're focusing on them and you're supporting them, you know, and it's yeah. much more, I feel like life is much more a video than a photograph, mm-hmm. you know, because at any point in the month, you could take a photograph, but that's just one moment. Whereas a video, it's like the average of everything. And if yes. you zoom out, then we're like, pretty good. I'm going to yeah. say some months B plus, some months A minus, yeah. but a photograph might be an F. And if you act like the photograph is your grade for life, you're just going to be so demoralized. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to, it's it's just going to keep you down, I guess yes. what I mean to say. Yes. And I think one of the things you just highlighted there was the fact that it is allowing them to have their own emotions. And that is easier for us to do when we've done that for ourselves. We have the ability to be so much more present for our kids, to be so much more flexible, Mm -hmm. to approach them with way more grace that I no longer need Mm -hmm. to control your emotional experience because it's not affecting my emotional experience anymore. That I can look at you... Yes, I can look at you, child, and say, oh, I remember what it was like to be 13, you know, and to have those emotions rather than feeling stressed out that, but you having those emotions means that everything's not okay. And I need for everybody to be okay. And that being the driver of the way that we parent our kids. Amen. My daughter just turned 11 and she started to have like where she'll have, I call them like um, hormonal, emotional episodes, you know, for Mm -hmm. like no reason, you know? Yeah. And so it, it, because they're sometimes completely irrational because it was so irrational, I felt kind of like, I can't handle your emotions now because I have pent up emotions that I can't deal with and yours are touching on mine. And now you just need to stop so that I can be okay. Right. Instead of it being like, we're separate, but anyway, and then it was kind of like, I went in deep trying to convince her why she was being irrational, you know? Yeah. So then I invalidated. <laughs> yes. yes. 
Because yeah. she actually is super rational. So like in my mind, I'm like, you know, this is dumb. What you're feeling? Yeah. Come on, whatever. Yeah. It made it worse and worse. Okay. So then after that, I was like, okay. So then the next time when she started acting like this, I literally don't say anything and I can, I hug her and then she'll just hug and she'll be okay. So I'm not saying hugging is the answer for everything, but I mean to say sometimes when we think we're trying to make it better, we're stopping a natural process that they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. They might just need to cry and we hug them. And they might just need to finish until they're done. And then they might want to talk about it. They might not. But if we're like, what are you crying about? What are you thinking? You shouldn't think that. You're very valuable. Oh, or whatever it is. We're trying to fix. We're trying to rescue. Yeah. We got to stop. Like we keep, you know, we're, we're fixing and rescuing. We're very used mm-hmm. to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, whenever we stop trying to do that and kind of just respond to whatever's happening, but not feeling like we have to fix it. Mm-hmm. It's actually so much easier because we can't always fix it. And how frustrating is that? You know, yes. and then again, we think, well, I'm not very good. I couldn't fix it. Yes. Yes. You know, and I think what I've learned is because I have had to get so used to taking pause just with myself, with my kids in that moment, I've gotten so much more used to asking the Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to do here? You know, and so when I do get confronted with that moment where I would, I have the same inclination where I'm like, let me just talk you through this. You know, it's like that talking somebody through their emotions never has worked in the history of ever, you know, (laughs) but, but allowing it, it, it's because I, it became a dialogue between me and the Lord. It was like, now I know what it's like to be accepted by you in the midst of my struggle. So I can offer that same acceptance. So that's really what I'm exchanging here. And that even what I when I don't know what to do, just that pause of saying, Holy Spirit, like help me to bite my tongue here and to just be responsive in the way that you want me to be. That I'm astonished at the things that come out of my kids' mouths when I just stop talking and give them the room to feel accepted. Yes. I think one of the best gifts we can give our kids is modeling apologies, Uh, you know, and I like to just say, I don't make my kids, I don't force them to say they're sorry to each other, especially Mm -hmm. if they're not sorry, but I will have them admit they were wrong. Yeah. (laughs) So that's just one of my sticks, but I'll go to them and say, I was wrong. This is what happened. I I shouldn't have responded like that. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have responded like this. Or what were you thinking? Kids love do-overs. They eat them up. They eat them up because Mm -hmm. they, it's, 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 you know, you need to do, have a do-over when something, when you, you're still kind of ruminating on something yeah. or it was like, they, they started to talk and you, you didn't ask a question. You were a bit distracted. And then later you thought I should have asked that. And you go, can we do that over? Kids love it. So I'm going to leave, especially if you're going through a challenging time, there's probably going to be a lot of situations you want to do over. They're actually gifts that they repair the relationship. They're yeah. very healing. It's it's like a strategy you can have and be confident in because you know you're not going to be perfect. It's like, don't just pretend that didn't happen. Just do it over. Yes, of course yeah. you already did it and it doesn't erase it. But but kids love that. They actually are very forgiving. They're mm-hmm. understanding. And who besides kids understands blowing up or losing their temper? Look, kids are experts at it. Yeah. They are experts. They yeah. get it. You yeah. know, so you being an adult and say, oh man, I don't, I don't like it when you yell and here I went off and yelled, you know, this is why to make it okay. I was wrong. Here's why when I did it, I do this. And then it also helps kids think, oh, this is how my mind works. Anyway, Mm. um, I I just think that's a great thing to keep in our, in our tool belt, you know, just because we messed up doesn't mean it's all over, you know, Mm. that's a word right there. (laughs) 
Rachel, I could just go on and on and on about this topic with you. At the end of every conversation, I ask each guest the same question. And it is, if there was just one thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? There was one thing I would want a single mom to know. It would be, so a friend sent me this scripture. It's in Proverbs 31. And it's before, we're not talking about the Proverbs 31 wife, but before that, and it was it, the, it, uh, what, I think it was maybe like a couple of stanzas, I guess, almost like a song or a poem, but it was um, King Lemuel's mother taught him this. Mm. And then it was, you know, kind of, the, the, it went on from there. I encourage you to read it, but I felt so encouraged by that because so often single moms think how much they feel that their child is missing mm-hmm. instead of thinking about how much they are giving their child. And so that is what I would leave you with. Like it's, it's, you know, in the word of God, like this is the effect that a mother has on kids. That is beautiful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Rachel, would you tell listeners about your new book and how they can follow you? Yes. So um, in, in October, um, a, my book's come out um, with Tyndale called If Mama Ain't Happy, Why Healthy Boundaries is Good for Your Whole Family. And you can find me, I have a website called um, A Mother Far From Home. And I talk a lot about routines, family routines, systems, you know, getting to the heart of your child, all that there. And I have a YouTube channel where I talk about motherhood stuff that we've talked about here as well by the same name, A Mother Far From Home. Awesome. And I will include links in the show notes to make it easier for listeners to find all of your resources. But thank you so much. It was really great chatting with you today. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this conversation with Rachel, I've got a couple of others that you might like to listen to as well. Check out episode 128, Emotional Regulation 101, Taking the Guesswork Out of Reading Your Child's Signals and Knowing How to Respond with Sherilyn Orr. Also, check out episode 72, Setting Boundaries, Improve Your Relationships and Boost Your Emotional Health with Dr. Allison Cook. I'd love to invite you to get more involved with the Plus One Parents community. If you head over to plusoneparents.org, you can sign up to become part of our free private community experience, the Plus One Parents Collective. On the website, you can also check out our blog and other resources on topics relating to dating and parenting, abuse recovery, and spiritual well-being. Or you can also get on our mailing list to receive Plus One Parent exclusive updates. You can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. I'm so grateful that you're a part of this community and that you were able to join me for this episode today. I pray always that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.